Welcome back, friends. It's another episode of Not Another True Crime Podcast. Yeah, I switched up the intro a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Sarah Levine, as always. I'm Danny Murphy, and our guest just put on chapstick, so made me put on chapstick, so that's besides the point. It's, I was like, it's like the yawning effect. I saw you do that, I was like, that looks so relaxing and nice right now. (laughs) But um, you know him more than just putting on chapstick. He is an incredible podcaster, and you probably already listened to all of his podcasts. It's Payne Lindsay. Hey guys, how's How it you going? Doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. A little tired, but hanging in there. I know. I feel like whenever <laughs> you, you, on Instagram, you're always in different states. And uh, where, where, where's your geographical location now? I'm actually at home for once, and it's kind of awesome. That's nice. Yeah. So I'm A feeling twist. that. Yeah. <laughs> in Georgia. In Georgia, yeah. I live in Atlanta. Love it. You guys are in New York still. Well, Still kicking. Yes. <laughs> still, still having a ball. There, just because New York's crazy. There, there's just levels. I feel everyone, and now it's getting into like the summer moment of it too, when just like every single person loses their mind for yeah. better or for worse, and it's just a full-on bacchanalian. Yeah, we'll say. I think they're bringing back the to-go cocktails and stuff, so I think that will subdue some people. But who knows? That's fun. Oh, I need that right now. <laughs> yes, <I'll laughs> yeah. Well, so you're in Atlanta. I mean, you're home, but also you are covering a very important trial, right? I am uh, covering the Tara Grinstead trial. The murder of Tara Grinstead, Ryan Duke, is being charged with her murder. It's been five years in the making. Every possible delay you could imagine has happened to this case for whatever reason, because the government is bad at what they do. Um <laughs> But yeah, I'm just anxious to see how it all shakes down and uh, really what kind of evidence they have against him and what the defense is going to present that, you know, somehow proves he's innocent. And because I, I like that you uh, mentioned about all the delays, because I feel like that infuriates so many people for so many cases that there's just like, why isn't this starting? What are all these holdups? So I was curious, what was your feelings when you finally found out, OK, this is happening and there's dates and there's jury being selected and there's motions that this is finally going to occur. I didn't believe it still. I I was like, okay, we've heard this before. I mean, it must have been at least four or five times throughout the last five years. The trial's about to start. It's like, okay. Eventually I was like, okay, we'll we'll see. Um, I mean, I know COVID happened, but it happened three years after, like they could have had the trial within the first three years. But, um, yeah, I think that they, to me, it's more of a testament of, I wonder how strong of a case they have against this guy, you know? I was going to say, like, why do you think it took five years? I mean, I would imagine, I mean, it's definitely a tough case. I don't know how much hard evidence they have against Ryan. And, you know, even if he did do it, you got to present a very strong case to convict him. And I, I bet, if anything, they're, they're worried of dropping the ball here. And so the more time they had, the better, I would assume. And I feel that's a a good call in that respect, because obviously this case will be garnering a lot of media attention and there will be eyes on it because of the delay, because people just want answers specifically for this case and everything like that. And how does it feel to be like, when, like this case was like your one of your first forays into what you do now too. So kind of having it be a full circle moment are, what are your emotions also even just going into this starting? I mean, this is probably one of the only cases I've covered where it really feels 
like a chapter, like a true chapter of my life. I mean, they all feel like that in a way, but this case is totally different. Just the way that the podcast kind of grew at the time and the way the case was evolving in real time and how we were covering it. It really just feels like I was in this thing and still am. And so it's kind of surreal. It's not even, I almost can't even look at it like a, like a criminal case anymore. It's just a, a thing that I feel like that I'm a part of in some way. And, you know, I, I feel for all the people involved and I'm just as anxious to see what the verdict is. And yeah, it's just bizarre to me. So jury selection started Monday, right? It did. Yep. And I think it actually is going to end today is what they're, they're saying. So that could have lasted a few weeks, but apparently they're saying that probably by Monday they'll have the opening statements. So moving right along, apparently. Yeah, because I was reading that they did expect the jury selection to take two weeks. But what can you tell us what's going on? Like in the in the courthouse so um i have a like a producer friend who's been she's been in there every day just taking notes and recording and so i mean the last four or five days has been the jury selection and you know a lot of this is still kind of new to me i mean i'm familiar with it probably as much as you guys are just seeing it on tv or whatever but um one of the challenges in this case was them picking a a jury in this county that (laughs) either like hasn't heard of the podcast or hasn't heard of the case. And it sounds completely impossible. Apparently they found some people uh, who lived under rocks or something, which is great. <laughs> but, um, I think it's kind of a, it's a tall task to expect that from the jury, but I'm assuming they have at least objective people, but it's hard to imagine that anyone in South Georgia is not familiar with the Tara Grinstead case. Well, and I feel like that's what gets harder, too, the longer trials get drawn out, too, because that's an extra year of people being like, okay, it's been a year since this. Or have you heard about this? Even from an anecdote, just conversational standpoint, too, it gets to a point where, like, okay, this is now a talking conversation around everybody. Where are you finding people? Yeah, exactly. Even if you weren't a part of it when it was happening, I mean, you've had five years to hear about it from your friend or family member down there. So, And I know, and I'm sort of, so because the jury selection went faster then we thought, how long do you, do you have any, um, obviously just like in your mind, do you think this is going to be a long trial or do you think it kind of, cause it's when I was even going into this, I was saying to Sarah, I was like, how will this trial last more than a day? I feel all the signs kind of point to the thing, but obviously I feel like you might have different insight into that. I think it goes for at least two weeks. Um, I mean, two to six weeks. I think six weeks is sounds insane, but I just think that there are so many details that they're going to just really just hammer down and just exhaust the jury with. Um, And there's so many just different facets of the case that could mean one thing or another. And I still don't know exactly what the defense argument is going to be, per se. And based on what that is, we'll probably determine how long this could really last. Do you know, does, has the defense uh, legal team, I'm not sure if you know this, has it maintained kind of the same throughout the years or I get, has it always just been like them kind of building this up or have they switched ever? I mean, from what I know, I, I think that they're, the general story is the same, but I don't know how detailed they're going to get with a potential theory here or if they're just going to try to, you know, 
disprove what the state is saying. But I think generally what they've been saying since the beginning is, you know, Ryan didn't do it. Yes, he helped burn Tara's body, but it was really Bo who did it. And I mean, that's probably the easiest excuse you could come up with if it was true or not. I don't know. But it's definitely easy to look at Bo in that light. If you just compare the two, even if Ryan is a murderer, Bo looks worse optically. And so that's in their favor. But I wonder how much supporting evidence they have to, you know, really hammer that down. That I don't really know. Well, I was I was thinking, could we like just go over some bullet points and yeah. just for our listeners who aren't up to date and you sure. can kind of chime in? Yep. Okay, cool. So for everybody who didn't listen to Up and Vanished, I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with but your life? What are they're like? Pretty we're much. actively busy on a jury. We're 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 on we're in a jury trial. That's right now, actually so, yeah. true. I know. I I'm kind of sad. I feel like I can never be on a jury because they're like, uh, uh-uh, you know, too much. Oh, I don't want to ever be on a jury. So I'm. It sounds <laughs> like it really would suck. <laughs> oh God! It sounds boring, but I also think it could be interesting. See, and everyone if you get on a good case until you get like the summons, and you're like, "Oh my God!" Like, is there ever a time for jury duty? Like, it's not never. really. It's like, hey, here's twenty five bucks for twelve hours. You're like twelve hours, two weeks, and you're just like, "What am I doing?" Like, like, I don't know. All day, I want to use the bathroom. Yeah. It's like, so you said, uh, "What am I doing?" Like, what am I doing in the podcast, or what am I doing currently? Oh, I was just talking to our listeners. Oh, <laughs> oh she was shading anybody who hasn't was, listened yes, to your podcast. I was saying, like, you if you guys don't know like, about if you this case, heard this, what are you doing with your life? She's like, yes, exactly. Hey, hey, quick question: What the fuck are you doing with your life? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Like, well, you know, we can unpack that if we. <laughs> I was going to say solving solving crimes, sort of. You know, a huge podcast, but no. What are you maintaining doing the blonde hair? Yes, it's all going yeah, on. Right. Yep. Yeah. Which is maintenance. That's very true. That could be an offshoot podcast you do because the blonde to the, yeah, that is a very intense uh, situation upkeep. It is. And I honestly, I, mean, it, I think the blonde looks cool. Like I really do. But oh, yeah. every time I go to get it done again, I'm like, God, I really don't want to spend like two hours in here. Like, I really don't. And I might just not do it. And then it just, okay. it's going to look weird for a phase. And I'm like, ah. But I'm you just lean in. It. And that's when you just get into hat culture. You're just like, no, guys, I've always loved hats. No, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's when the hats come out, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> hat culture. All right. So some quick bullet points about the Tara Grinstead murder. If you guys are not up to date, obviously listen to Up and Vanish season one. I mean, truly iconic in the True Crime podcast, but also very in-depth. Um Tara Grinstead was an 11th grade teacher at Irwin County High School in Osceola, Georgia, and also a former Miss Georgia contestant. She went missing in October 2005, and she was reported missing when she didn't show up to work one Monday morning. At the time of her disappearance, she was getting her doctorate at night, and the weekend before she was reported missing, she helped coach some, some young women for a local pageant and also went to a barbecue so after um, she was reported missing, I feel like I've said that so many times, but deputies did a wellness check, found no signs of struggle or forced entry at her home. Her car was in the driveway, her dog and cat were home, and her cell phone was plugged into the charger. Her car was unlocked and there was $100 in the center console, and the driver's seat was pushed all the way back, which was weird because she was only five foot three. And um, there were some other weird things in her home, like her bedside clock was found under the bed there was a broken lamp 
And, um, you know, basically there was not a lot of leads. She was declared dead in absentia in December 2010. And then, then Open Vanish came along and, and started, you know. That was because there was a lot from that time. There was sort of a lull where it's, you, we feel like there's so many cases that happen where it's just like this awful tragedy occurs and people are like, we have no clue. And so many times, too, there's a lot of it like setbacks or let it be political reasons or just fun day or not or something like that or just too much going on where like the investigated like the police and etc can't don't or can't give the time and effort to it so that sort of i feel like was what was happening so much until up and vanish came out i mean all the details you just mentioned i mean for 10 years that's really all anyone knew i mean the police looked into her acquaintances ex-boyfriends uh all i mean tons and tons of people but they were all the wrong guy and they really couldn't think of anywhere else to look and so it was just stuck i mean i honestly don't even really blame them i mean there wasn't really much to go off of so when i came into the picture it was that's why i was drawn to the case because it was literally like she just vanished if she because all of her stuff was in there her cars there in this tiny town like where, where did you go you know how, how did this happen and no one see this and who did it i mean that that just puzzled the hell out of me. Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy because some disappearances, you're just like, yeah, I mean, there's just not a whole lot. And then sometimes it's like, you know, somebody knows something and they just need to like speak up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this kind of started off as like, well, we got nothing. But it turns out that like, you know, somebody just needed to feel comfortable to say what they knew. And that's what happened here. I mean, it, it took... 12 years it took someone feeling the heat and coming forward to in my opinion save their own ass and i mean it doesn't matter the reason but coming forward because it was a finite amount of people who knew this and they were protecting themselves i know and i know we touched about a little bit when we interviewed you last time but what because i know and just to uh reiterate it with it you said you were drawn to this case because there was no real um, jumping off points or they kept on leading to dead ends. But what really kind of made you be like, I need to unpack this and I need to try to look for answers or bring attention to it? I mean, I was just drawn to the case in general because of the circumstances. I just just felt super bizarre. And you, you could just sit here and theorize it, endless possibilities of what could have happened to her. There, there were persons of interest that, you know, the media had already basically labeled and, you know, the police had been looking into over the years. And, you know, there were some oddities about some of their stories. But if you really chased it all the way down, it, it never really went anywhere solid. And so you were just left kind of speculating as to, you know, does this look is this weird? Is this just a weird thing or is this does this mean they did it? And it never quite added up. And so, you know, that's when I got involved in it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it just, I was just drawn to the sheer mystery of the whole thing. And I think that, you know, being from Georgia and having family in South Georgia, I, you know, I had a random thought of calling my grandma about this and she knew about the case. And I was like, already thought that was strange. And then she's like, actually, you know, my friend, I think she saw Tara the night before she went missing. I'll, I'll call you back. And I was like, okay. And then she calls her friend and she calls me back, of course, like five minutes later. And she's tells me her friend Melba was there and saw her before she went to the barbecue. 
next thing you know, I'm talking to to Melba, and I'm like, what is happening? I'm like, am I? It, that to me, if you're looking for signs to do this, you know, that felt like okay. There's like a strange closeness I already have to this. It, it feels like I should just keep poking around and see what happens. And I feel like it is almost a in a weird way, like the power of conversation and almost these small, minute, anecdotal moments mm-hmm. that can build up that some people even think like, uh, oh, that didn't really, that's that's just a, a blip in what? But then you're like, oh, this is giving point by point situations to build a broader story and everything around it. And I feel like that is kind of what helped uh, you like uh, snowball this into a larger thing to actually bring so much actual attention to it in a positive way. Yeah, I mean... The only way that I knew or understood how to tell the story was a version that had me in it because I Mm -hmm. felt so out of place and like out of water, right, that I wanted to share that part of the story and almost frame it exactly what it was. And so all those kind of moments make it more real and made me feel like I was really a part of something, too, at the end of the day. And it kind of made for something that sounded maybe more special than just a regular true crime podcast. And I mean, you can look at that both ways. Like, why are you involving yourself? And, you know, I look at it like I'm going to throw myself into this and I'm going to tell the story of that. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it all that I got. I'm not going to half-ass it. And you'll always get that from me. I feel like there's been a more an increase in documentaries and just like true crime Mm -hmm. journalism endeavors that have kind of centered the journalist and that person has a personal connection Mm -hmm. to the story whether it's like murder on middle beach or we just did an episode on the starved rock did you watch i watched both those and they were amazing yeah so good so good same yeah I actually talked to uh, Madison Hamburg, I think his name is, on yes. Twitter. I, was, I just reached out. I was like, man, that was so amazing. Like, and he texted or he messaged me back. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I love this dude. But, yeah, that's, it's such a unique way to tell a story. And it's there's so much true crime stuff out there. I think it also makes it more personable. And you really care about their mission, right? You want to know he wants to know what happens to happen to his mom and you care about that. Yeah. And then I think it avoids that that flip side where, you know, you have documentaries being made Mm. where the victim's family is against it or Mm -hmm. not consulted at all. Yeah. Never a a position that you want to be in, you know. No. Yeah. And then I also feel, too, because then you have the there is a maybe not comfortability, but a more openness for people to talk to people when it's kind of like, okay, this is why this means something to me versus this like, all right, we're doing this because I don't know why. And like, then even also you get some additional details that you could have. Cause I mean, remember like the middle beach talk, like when he literally like was wiretapping himself to talk to his dad, like no one else could really have that moment oh besides him. And then in that too, you're just like, Oh, like this, it, it felt like there was an added level of, seriousness and purpose behind it. And I feel it's like the personal purpose that you do in your podcast and everything like that. It really helps move the story forward. Yeah. I feel like as a listener, I I would want to hear what it's like to, to be doing this in some way. And I think people are curious about that. You know, I I am, I want to hear, I don't want to just hear exactly what you got. I want to hear every now and then pull the curtain back and 
show me what it's like a little bit or tell me how you're yeah. feeling about it. I think that's a way more interesting way to tell a story. And then also it gives a kind of a, it, I feel like it also brings people into the story a little bit more versus and like to the reality of like, not like, oh, this is not, this is more than just a news article you're reading. These are the people involved. With, these are the feelings you can feel with it. To might be like, this is a horrific event that happened and all the follow up that goes along with it. And I feel really kind of uh, like insecure about that. I, I want to make sure that I'm validating my role here. I The last thing I want to do is be Wikipedia Brown over here just rehashing a story. And like there's a time and place for that, like always. But if I'm going to deep dive into, you know, 12 episodes and, you know, really kind of run down persons of interest and knock on people's doors, I want to really do it for real or what the hell is the point or I'm I'm being a fraud. And that's how I feel about it. And I feel like that's why you're good at what you do, because you realize the um, raised stakes in your storytelling and your producing and everything like that. So you go into it with a better picture and a better like mission statement for it. I do have one piece of news for you guys. I actually don't know if you are aware of this, but actually I found this out officially yesterday, but Turns out that I've been subpoenaed to be a witness in this case, and it's actually oh. the state that subpoenaed me. There's still like a, a high chance that they don't call me, but okay. I was able to negotiate like a, a set amount of days that I would be available. No earthly idea what they would necessarily want from me, but I, who knows? But I found that to be also extremely mm-hmm. surreal because I, I just... You know, and maybe they don't even call me, but just even uh, maybe they're just bluffing and using this as some sort of device to spook the defense, or maybe they're going to go grill me up there. I have no idea. We'll see. That would be be so meta, like you covering the trial that you're. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, you're like, no, I want to be on the other side, please. I want to be on this. Did you when you when you found that out? Like, did you? Um, I guess you can't go ahead, but like, um talk to like a legal person be like, okay, what do I prepare for? Like, do you, are you like anything like that? So I actually found out unofficially on Thursday last week, like Uh weirdest timing. I'm on a plane. It's about to take off to Vegas of all places (laughs) to go to this convention called crime con that we were doing a, basically a panel about the trial for that. We were making a live episode about and stuff. And like right before takeoff, one of the court TV producers, like film producers I know, texted me like a subpoena that had like, my name on it and everything. Oh. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I noticed that it had my wrong address on it, which okay. also it was like an address from five years ago. I've been like three places since then. I'm like, how did you guys even find this? Eight months. I'm like, yeah, wild. But. I figured that's why I didn't get it. And so I immediately hit up my attorney and was like, hey, can we just start dealing with this? You know, because the subpoena was like, we need you to be here for the next three weeks every day. I'm like, absolutely not. I can't do that. So we were able to work it out. They were, you know, super reasonable about everything. But I was a little anxious for a little bit, just not knowing exactly how this would shake down. I just wanted to know what to be mentally prepared for. No. That is very fair to feel anxious. And I also feel that probably is the peak flight where most people get emails, subpoenas that like Vegas to or from. I was like, okay, 
I was like, I can't drink on the plane before Vegas. So I was like, I'm actually, no. I'm absolutely drinking on the plane. Before. Yeah, you got to start with a clean slate. <laughs> yeah, drinking, doing a prayer circle, doing something. Yeah, that is like, really. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. And then so that also just makes this entire uh, moment. I feel like I'm sure I probably feel like so different too because you were going into it to see like, all right, they're gonna have some answers. I'll be able to watch, and you're like, oh, I'm going to maybe be involved now in the literal way. Yeah, I mean, this story has continued to surprise me and take strange crazy turns and so at this point i'm just along for the ride you know i hope that we get justice for tara and i hope that they put the right guy behind bars and i hope that we learn a lot more about what potentially happened to her in the trial and it's not some super vague narrative that we never really kind of figure out because i i thought that's a possibility and that would that would suck for everybody because I was going to say, like, one thing I haven't really seen in the articles is just any explanation of, like, why this happened. Yeah, that's the toughest thing. And I, I wonder uh, in how much detail the prosecution is going to dig into that. Because their, their overall just general theory has major problems. And it's one of those things where, you know weird shit happens, right? It does. And so maybe it's just one of those things where that something weird happened that doesn't quite make sense. But most of the time, it's not that. So like their theory is that Ryan basically woke up in the middle of the night and drove 17 minutes to Tara's house, broke in and killed her. And Right, I read that they are, are alleging he just like climbed in through a window and was maybe going to burglarize the home and then just killed her in her bed. And it just seems, and I've done that drive at night. Cause that's what kind of just curious. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. honestly, I mean, for what it's worth doing the drive, it's, it's so intentional to go there. Right. Cause where, cause where you're starting is like out, like near these orchards and stuff. There's like, you're outside of the town. So you have to go into town through the town and then turn on one of these streets, then go down a little bit more and then end up at Tara's house, either specifically or completely randomly. And I'm like, I need a better reason as to how they connected. Right. Right. Maybe like, that's he just correct, wakes up in the just, middle of the night. It doesn't sit well, right? It's hard to rationalize that. Cause you pass so many, if you're just going into, burglarize a home you pass a lot of more easier attainable ones than to getting to that yeah i think what's more likely is that in some way you know tara's at the barbecue the last place she was really seen except for whoever killed her um maybe she went somewhere else or saw someone else in the neighborhood because there's no phone call records or text messages that connect her with her meeting with anyone after that so it would have to be a chance encounter which would make a lot of sense. Obviously, Ryan going there in the middle of the night is also a chance encounter, too. But it, it just seems so insanely random. And maybe they knew each other and he just just went over there. But I think it's more likely that somehow she connected with him or other people, too. And then then they went to her house or something after that. Yeah, it's so strange. It is. It's bothersome. Yeah. It really is. And then it's that hard thing, too, where, because I, 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 you realize, too, you're like, oh, yeah, it's all up to how 
facts are pres- or not even facts, just like their opinions are presented and what evidence they have and everything like that. And I feel it's a stressful thing. I'm sure, obviously, for you, well, maybe now it's a different level of stress because you might be <laughs> called to the trial. But for like you watching the defense say things that you're just like, oh, I know that is so not right. You're just making a story. But of course, that is what uh, trial back and forth is. It's like a it's something like that. That's why I'm so curious. I, I don't really know you know, what details they're going to dig into. You know, I have a general idea, but, you know, what do they have a complete narrative that really starts to make a lot of sense? And I feel like the state's going to keep it super safe and vague. They can't go into too much detail as to exactly why he did it or whatever. It's got to be mm-hmm. as simple as he just went over there and did it. And, you know, right. Because they don't really need happened, to. But it's just it, if it is then that's just fucking weird. <laughs> Has this case now kind of getting, like you said, it was a chapter of your life. Now this case being like almost hopefully brought you a close in a sense of some justice fully being served. Does it make you look at, uh, have you, has it sparked an interest in any other cases of you? I know you've been doing Up and Vanish more seasons than so many other podcasts, but has this kind of ignited any other cases that might have been on the peripheral for you or anything like that? To me, it's more about... I mean, I've done three seasons of Up and Vanished, right? This is the only case that I've covered that's gone this far. And so to see it potentially have a, have a verdict and a, a true ending, hopefully it's the right one, is really cool because it just, it's a chapter closed. I mean, if they get the right guy and he's convicted, it, there's... There's no more pod- investigative podcasts about this. It's like, you know, it's over now, you know, mm-hmm. not saying that I did anything. It's just I, I can't even cover it anymore. We, you know, we we all did it collectively. It's like we saw this to the end. And that to me is really cool. This was a, you know, and it was on it was kind of weird, you know, years later, diving back into the details of this because I've yeah. I have covered tons of other cases since then, like not only to deep dive missing persons cases and up and vanish the podcast, but also five other cases in the TV show that I did for up and vanished Atlanta monster dead and gone uh, other shows that I'm just executive producer on. So I've had my mind at all these different places and you have to kind of, you know, shift gears a lot. And so I remember I, I had to, do an interview on court TV about this case like a month ago. And I was like, Oh my God, the last thing I want to do is be up there and be like, so what about this? And I'm like, Oh shit. I forgot what? about that. Cause it's crazy, but <laughs> oh, it's like, there's so many little details fair. And so I, yeah. I painfully watched our, our episode uh, of the TV show on oxygen oh. in the morning. And I was like, God, this hurts, but that's a cringe. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as I saw everything, I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah. It's like it's all it's all in there, like as as a, as a memory. It's a it's a part of your life, part yeah. of my life. And, you know, I'm not just saying that it's just how it feels to me. And yeah, I you know, so so this is definitely super surreal. And I just would feel great to have a conclusion here. And I think that the, the family deserves that. And the town does, too. 100%. And I feel you, uh, for anybody who is listening, who maybe was not that familiar with this case somehow, if you're not on the jury already, make sure Up and Vanish Season 1, you do such an amazing job with it. And all your podcasts are just 
so well done. You can tell while listening, like your heart, soul, and mind and everything is in it. So it's a joy to listen to. And it's always a joy to have you on too. I know, it's always so fun. Next time we're just talking about Bachelor. I, oh my god! I, yes. I actually have not cut, like let, watched the last two seasons, so. Well, I was gonna say I've we talked about how the Bachelor s- dropped the shark. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I've never seen a full season, but I feel like, do you follow any of the Bravo crimes? Because that would be like an iconic. No, but send me one that you think is like the trashiest or something, mm, and maybe Jen if Shaw? I check it out, I'll be, I'll text one of y'all and be like. Okay, I got some comments. It, it, oh my god! At least be okay. Be fun. <laughs> I think Jen Shaw. I think I would do it just for that, to be honest. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. God bless. Yeah, Jen Shaw might be the one. All right, so we're gonna send you Jen Shaw, and also I'm gonna recommend Married at First Sight Australia if you need a new. Okay, I've seen a few interesting. Of just that show before, which is yeah, absolutely insane premise. Oh, it's so good, and oh. the powers and the accents for Australia it really gets you going. <laughs> I was gonna say, what is it about Australia that makes it like superior? I don't just know. They just seem way smarter because they're they sound less dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm just saying like, nor I don't love you anymore. That that sounds weird. But... <laughs> but yeah, last comment though. What is up with the Bachelor host looking identical to the Bachelor? I'm like, how so basic weird. could they keep this? Like, oh, I thought they were they, going they really are trying. trying to, you yeah. know, be about inclusion and shit. They've missed the mark so bad on that. I'm like, they're at this point, they're trying hard to not be diverse. Like, yeah. maybe I just live yeah, in a bubble, but a bunch of racist people and they're like, oh, yeah. shit, there are a lot of our viewers. And it's like, <laughs> I, I feel like, like that's backtrack, it. Backtrack, backtrack. Right. Yeah. I'm like, is that what's happening? I hope not. Oh. But. The only thing I hope comes out of it is that we find out that one of the girls is like, wait, actually, I'm going to run off with the host, have an affair, and make it at least remotely interesting. And then they cancel the show. Yeah, yeah, right. But until then, I'm done with it all. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) We need to get some fraudsters on The Bachelor, and then I'll start watching. Oh, my God, right? And then we just get the Netflix documentary about the real story afterwards. Oh, that's what we need. There yes. we go. There we go. Okay. If you're listening, if anyone is uh, applying to the batch, just do, do it. us a solid. Do it. Do it. Start a Ponzi scheme and then go on. Because the worst case you could do is just like uh, do ads for a lot of MLMs anyway. So just make your own MLM and do ads for that. Yeah, I would I never do the bachelor because it's like really, I mean, it would be just the biggest risk you could ever take in your life. And you were just oh. an absolute just pawn in their TV show, right? But also, even if I wanted to, which I would never want to, they wouldn't even take people who were like me. It's like they they want some version of some like uh, some person that's not really real who like wants to be a social media star or something. And then a couple like shitty people and like maybe they're like the people are good, but they're looking for like cutouts. And I'm like, it, why? You know, it would they, be more interesting if you had some like, you know. People with mental health problems on there and stuff, you know, like it'd be. <laughs> yes, yes. Right? Like, Where's that visibility? There, right? Like, yep. let me see someone take Lexapro on Bachelor, <laughs> yes. and then we'll be talking. No, because they want TV personalities without personality, which really, right? It's kind of jumped the shark. I feel. I, I feel that. Yeah, that's well, so rough. But you do have the blonde hair, so maybe. I was gonna say. <laughs> right. You're getting closer be, to well, their that, that would be the most emotional storyline you could have on it. You're just like, it's hard to upkeep my blonde hair, and they're like. This is that would be like your zoom in cry on face. And you're like, can I talk about anything else in my life? They're like, no, <laughs> I would be so anxious the whole time. I'd be like, oh, my God, 
I'd probably be that guy who's like, he, he's here for the wrong reason. So I'm like, I'm really not. I'm just no. exhausted out here. It's just. <laughs> You're like, I actually don't know what reason it's I'm here for. Appear, I just seem weird because it's just, it is weird. <laughs> and it's in the desert. Like, I'm just, you're just sweating. It's just too much. The no phone thing. It's just a uh, human experiment. It's bizarre. Oh, no. uh, so I would just wrong. be drinking in a corner that's because I'm never that person that, who's going to like steal you for a sec. Oh, no. no. Well, I'd be like, no, I'll wait for them to come talk to me. And I'd be exactly. gone night one. <laughs> yeah, then they're like, okay, you're off the show. Like, make a move. <laughs> yeah. If you were only on it for night one, would you put Bachelor alum in your bio still? Or Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Oh, yeah. I would have like the picture and everything. And then I'm just gone immediately into the void of the internet. And I just basically like never existed. <laughs> and they're <laughs> like, who's he? Oh, who is he? That, that's the mystery. It's the allure. <laughs> Oh well, actually, in another pop culture note, I wanted to ask, are you um, following the Johnny Depp defamation trial? Uh, not like day to day, but I've seen a couple of the pretty hilarious, you know, clips and stuff on Instagram. Just random. <laughs> like the, the when they asked about the big pint of wine or something that he was drinking. I was like, what is happening? And it's definitely weird to see a trial being memed. Well, first of all, a domestic violence trial being memed in real time. Like that I don't even is, know how to feel about it. You know, yeah, it yeah. Weird. it's like one of those things where, I mean, do you guys have an opinion? I don't even know enough to really say one way or another. But I know. That's one of those ones where I'm just like, you just feel bad for everybody involved. Where I'm like, this is just so yeah. much tortured and pain going on everywhere. And then you have a cosmetics company doing a TikTok about it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, what? Yeah. What? what, what I, where, where are we going? It sucks either way. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of think you're, or years from now or even months from now, this is going to be like a case study in like, just like, I don't know, weird, like bad social media actors and just like responses that didn't age well. Well, it's one of those hard ones where it's celebrity meets crime in a way that people don't know how to digest it in yeah. Oh, well, yet I feel because we haven't really had like there has been a lot of celebrities with crime uh, going on, but like in real time with a very serious um, accusations, everything like that. I feel it's just our, our everyone's brains are short circuiting on how to process it or absorb it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people are just rushing to kind of stand one person or another, yeah. and it's it's weird. I think we like, I think our culture is too. This might be a little too heady here, but is. is Everyone just feels like they have to have a stance. And it's, yeah. And, and then they need to have it immediately. Yeah. And so I, I actually don't really think that you have to have a stance on everything. Now, if you're going to go out there on a limb and talk about it, then you should. But, mm-hmm. like, you could be like, I don't really know. I mean, because you don't know. I mean, if what they're saying about Johnny Depp is true, then that's not good. And, you know, this... He deserves whatever, but also if it is untrue, it's like it, it it's like still bad for like the Me Too movement, and it's you know yeah. we we, That's, we don't know yeah. what we don't know, and it's like it's either way it's going to cause this divide where it's like this or that, and it's like you don't have to have a strong stance on every single thing in the world anymore. <laughs> that is a good lesson for anybody listening. Just sometimes you just got to shut the fuck up, yeah. and that's it's <laughs> a beautiful moment. Like, I love shutting up. Great. <laughs> I love not talk. Oh my God. Yeah. About things. I, I'm like, no, I'm not going to say anything. I'll stand in a corner. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for that. I feel radical honesty that more people <laughs> need to adopt. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Pressure to feel that way. Like 
it's in like so comments true. or anything like, oh, I just read this and I feel strongly about this way. I'm just going to pick it. And you're like, you could say, I don't know. Yeah. Or I don't care if it's the right thing. Yeah. Also that. <laughs> That's facts. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. Oh my God, yeah, thank you so much. And we're so excited to have you on later on to talk Housewives, which will be yes. such a good yes. time. Yes. 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 And I will check it out. Thanks for letting me ramble. Oh my, oh my God. Any, anytime you ever want to ramble about anything, just call us, DM us, and we will get the, we will get the Zoom going. It's fun because <laughs> I always talk about like serious stuff, and I, I like to talk about things that are less serious or be able to talk about like people stuff in the huh? vein of what I do because it's just uh, more relatable to me. Oh, I love yeah. that. Is there anything that we should plug? Um, I mean, the Up and Vanish podcast will cover the trial. Um, we did post a recap episode because, I mean, it's uh, season one is a gauntlet. So if you need a refresher on kind of what happened and let us hear, there's a, a really well put together recap episode. And then starting next week on Tuesday, we'll do uh, trial coverage every Tuesday and Thursday. Okay, perfect. And, you know, no clue what's going to happen, but you'll be along for the ride if you choose to be. Awesome. Well, I will definitely be following that. Awesome. So thank you so much. And also the recap episode sounds like very helpful. Very, yes. the, the very easy way to just get cut up. You'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember all these things. Yeah. Yes. And then Coming if you back. just want to follow uh, Payne's hair journey, you can always do that at Payne Lindsay on all of his social media. That's true. And yep. Yeah. There you- <laughs> yep. It's really just for my hair. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what life is about. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. It's so good to talk to you. And good luck with uh, your witness. Testimony. There we go. If it goes down, you know, I'm sure I'll I'll let you guys know. But yeah. Yeah, I'm very We'll be flying to Atlanta. We'll have the mics this time, like in the courtroom. (laughs) Yeah, make a podcast with me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Follow Payne and you can follow us as well. But first, get tickets to our live show. June 5th at Union Hall. We're going to honestly continue to be annoying until this sells out. So, I mean, just, you know, help yourself. (laughs) Help help yourself save 15 seconds in your day by us not talking about it anymore. Well, now it's up to 20 seconds or so. Yeah, so you can go uh, June 5th. It's The link is betches.co slash NATC live, right, Sarah? Nailed it. Yes. It's also in my bio on Instagram at Sarah Lameem. I should put it in our bio on also the podcast Instagram at Not Under the True Crime. Um, It's in our group. Not another yep. true crime group, and you know we're talking about cases in there. It's fun. Some listener kind of came at us and then took it back, which was very funny. We loved it. But healthy, and we loved it, and it was fun, and it was oh, great. Yeah. It's great to have oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, we so. love some uh, constructive debate. We'll always oh, take it. Always. So join the group, and we'll see you guys next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.